Open mine eyes that I may see Glimpses of truth thou hast for me Open mine eyes, illumine me Spirit divine Love of my life, I am crying I am not dying, I am dancing Dancing along in the madness There is no sadness like to invite you to a soul-level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guests' spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. My guest today on Song of the Soul is Chris Powell. Chris started piano lessons when he was six years old and added trombone to his repertoire when in high school. He appreciates music of all stripes, but has a special passion for classical music. Chris is a member of the First Baptist Church in Eau Claire, though he was raised without much exposure to organized religion. Chris, thanks for joining me for Song of the Soul. This has been a long-anticipated interview because you have a really busy life. What do you do when you're not being interviewed for the radio? Thank you very much. I work for a D.C.-based consulting company called High Performance Technologies. We happen to have an office here in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, but most of my customers are located in the National Capital Region, and so I'm on the road quite frequently doing computer consulting for them, doing computer architecture work and systems engineering work for everybody from Justice and Defense to NOAA and FBI. And I think in addition to that, you have a family that you're trying to have some time with. Indeed. I have my wife, Bonnie, who works at Royal Credit Union, and then also my daughter, Emily, who is a student at Peterson Elementary now. She just started kindergarten this year. Have you been religious all your life? Indeed not. I don't really recall 
my first thoughts of religion at all. We did not grow up being religious, although when I visited my grandmother and grandfather in the summertime, they did insist on taking us to their Presbyterian church, and I think that was probably my first experience with any kind of organized religion. It basically just touched a part of me that made me think that there was something else going on that I should think about. I would start to read sections of the Bible when I was younger. They were interesting, essentially, as literature to me, although, again, I thought that there was something there that I needed to pay attention to. I really didn't start going to church regularly until I met my wife, Bonnie. We started going to her church while we still lived in New York, then came out here to the Eau Claire area, still didn't attend church fairly regularly until 1998 when we joined First Baptist Church here in Eau Claire which is an American Baptist church, the kind of church my wife grew up in. And then we started to attend regularly. I started to attend Sunday school as well and have been basically attending regularly ever since. So it's become a lifelong journey to essentially join a church, live in the church, become part of that community, and to realize a deeply spiritual part of myself. What kind of image of God came to you through your experience, I guess, first with Presbyterian and then with the American Baptist? As I was saying, I'm not sure exactly that I would have developed much of a picture of God within any of the small number of services I attended with my grandparents. As I grew up, you know, read a bit more of the Bible, had friends who were religious. It's like putting together a puzzle to a certain extent. You feel different pieces of people's thoughts about God. Those pieces tend to remain unassembled on the table until you have some structuring experiences in life that I think start to bring them together, either for you or cause you to want to put them together in order to make things more understandable. And one of those things was in meeting my wife, Bonnie, and attending her church and seeing that here now there was a very rich religious experience, yet one that was also compatible with my social theology, if you will, in being somewhat more liberal-minded or at least open-minded about things, that I wanted people to be treated equally. I didn't necessarily want to mandate certain things being done, but I wanted there to be a certain egalitarian nature to society. And there were certain churches that I could see that in and certain churches that were not. And in my wife's church, I very much saw that. That made me think that being an American Baptist or looking at the American Baptist sect was something that would be interesting. And indeed, the more I read, the more I found out about it, the more it was quite appealing to me that I could touch those inner parts of me that were reaching out for God and reaching out for religion, but then do that in a way that was not necessarily going to offend a lot of my other sensibilities about certain things in society. I think you have a very strong musical background. When did you first connect with music? It was probably connected for me to a certain extent when I started taking piano lessons when I was quite young. Obviously, as a small child, any lesson that I took at that time was completely against my you know, better inclination or judgment. And it was not something I really appreciated very much until I was more in my teens. And then I really started to open up and learn more about music, really understand it a lot more, become better at it. So it was a more rich experience. I started taking piano lessons when I was younger. In high school, I started to pick up the trombone played in high school bands and orchestras, symphony, marching band, and so forth. And then after college, when I was out and about in the work world, I picked up guitar on my own, and I found that I'm an inherently musical person. I like to play different musical instruments. They have different colors, different sounds. They bring about different emotions in people, in myself, different styles of music. I really like all kinds of, of styles of music, so it's not like I only like the instruments that are associated with one particular genre. And I've just found that as I learn more about my own emotional self, 
that music or a color of music of a particular kind helps me express that or understand it to a significant degree. That's a good way to get us started on your musical choices. You've chosen things that are all called classical music. What was the overall picture for you that led you to put these different pieces of music together as part of your Song of the Soul, Chris? Indeed. Classical music is probably music I consider to be most richly colored and the most richly deep music that there is. Not that I don't appreciate many other styles of music, but I think that there are, are just a lot more unidimensional, a lot of which can be you know, very interesting. Heavy metal music is a very interesting style of music for the vigor and the energy of it. Country music is very good for the way it touches people's souls. But in my sense of religion and my sense of self and emotion, classical music really is where I find the richest basket of potential. And the unifying principle or the unifying thought behind my selections for today is from a quote from a German opera house, which basically says, Bach gave us God's word, Mozart gave us God's laughter, Beethoven gave us God's fire, God gave us music that we might pray without words. And I think that really brings it all together, that it makes religion much more a sense of not something that we say or do, perhaps, but it's something that we feel that's from inside of us, prayer being something that we live out as well as we say or offer to God. So therefore, all of these particular classical pieces essentially relate to that. There's a fourth one that I would add to it. In addition to God's word and power, laughter and God's fire, I would also add God's love. I think that essentially speaks to one of the most profound aspects of God's relationship with his creation in us, in that he does love us. He did create us, he does love us, and he does have a place for us near him, if only we would take it. So that essentially brings together all of the music that I've selected today. Before we go into the first piece, I was just curious, you use the pronoun he for God. Is that a thing that's common in American Baptist circles? You mentioned that egalitarian thought was important to you. Does that extend to images of the divine, and does that fit within American Baptist theology? I think it certainly fits within my theology that God as he, uh, there's an aspect to it that is just a lazy speaker to a certain extent. I use he because it's a convenient pronoun. I believe in my own personal theology that God is as much anima as animus. So to call God he is as inaccurate as to call his creation it to a certain extent. But in American Baptist theology and in Christian theology in general, he is definitely an operative term. It is Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and it is a term that is meant to suggest a certain male nature to God. However, in the American Baptist tradition, theology is very much something that is individual, and it is not something that is dictated to us that we can only think about God as father, male figure, head of household per se, to us, God is who he says he is in the Bible, which in a nutshell is I am. It's sexless. It's, it's something that is without gender. It is who God is. Well, let's turn to your first selection. Why did you choose your first piece for your Song of the Soul? The first piece is Johann Sebastian Bach's Passacaglia in C minor. This is one of my very favorite pieces of Bach. I enjoy listening to almost anything from Bach, especially his keyboard music, because of its deeply mathematical nature and also the fact that I've played keyboard most of my life. But in this sense, in going back to my quote, Bach gave us God's word, I really believe that this is God's word, that this is the power of his creation, the power of the entire universe, really, woven into patterns, woven into the themes 
themes that are in this music that suggest a creation that is deeply complex. It suggests a God who is deeply complex and one that we cannot really begin to appreciate until we listen to it over and over again. The same thing with God's Word. We cannot appreciate it until we listen to it over and over again, until we experience it, until we apply it. And so in in my sense, for this particular piece, I believe it captures a lot of that in a nutshell, essentially, in one relatively short piece, given the profound nature that I've expressed about it. It's Pascalia in C minor by Johann Sebastian Bach.
The next piece you've chosen is one that's almost universally known, Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. Why did you choose this piece, and what has Beethoven got to do with your Song of the Soul? Beethoven, I believe, showed us God's fire in the sense that in the creation that God gave us, in the earth and in everything that is in it, God has a purpose. We may not be able to appreciate the entire nature of that purpose, but there very much is a purpose for that. And there is a serious, deliberate nature to that purpose that God really wants us to appreciate and to experience and to be part of. Behind that, then, will be the passion and perhaps the anger that God will have towards us when we do not necessarily do everything the way he would like us to do that. I mean, we have free will. We can choose all that we can choose in any way, shape, or form that we want. But there is some accountability for that. You know, with God's fire, you're reaching into the inner nature of God in terms of what the consequences of our actions might be and what the consequences of the universe unfolding in a way that he might not choose or what the consequences of that might be. And with Beethoven's Fifth Symphony, the first movement, the Allegro con Brio movement the, that contains the theme that everybody really knows and loves, I believe you see the colors of the profound spiritual fire that God created us with and that God tries to imbue within us. You also see the tension that exists in God's creation. We do not obviously do everything that God wants us to do. Everything that happens in the world that we cause... There are some good things to that, and there are some bad things to that. With this tension that you see, this wrestling that we do with God and with his purpose for us, that results in a lot of internal dissonance, a lot of difficulty that we have in our personalities and our interpersonal relationships. That comes out, it sublimates as a lot of different things in our lives. It's the idea of a guy who has the tough time at work and goes home and kicks the dog and doesn't necessarily know why, but it's those tensions you know, in his life that are coming out in that way. Ultimately, which again, get back to our spiritual relationship with God. And I think in what you hear in the Fifth Symphony, again, is a sense of accountability, a sense of consequences for our actions, a sense of the deeply profound nature of God's creation and the spiritual fire that underlies it. Well, let's listen to Beethoven's Fifth Symphony in C minor, the Allegro con Brio movement.
Chris, I believe that you have a really strong scientific bent, as well as a musical bent, that math was your undergraduate major. Obviously, you work with computers. Your mind knows how to work in logical ways. Does that end up producing any kind of dissonance with you when you go to the world of the mystical, the spiritual, the religious world? No, I accept a scientific basis to the universe as much as a spiritual basis to the universe, just as much as I believe Jesus Christ was 100% divine and 100% man. There is no conflict in there as far as I'm concerned and no discomfort, no dissonance that I feel in relation to that. I can experience the scientific nature of the world by doing science and reading about science. Equally, I can also experience the spiritual nature of the world by going to church and watching people being Christian, not necessarily being a Christian, but by expressing Christian values and doing things, regardless of whether they may go to church or not, or even perhaps espouse a belief in God or not, I can see them being fundamentally spiritual and God-like in the actions that they have. I certainly wrestled with that difference in my teenage years and in my college years. And you would probably find me in my college years, my undergraduate college years, being downright blasphemous in the speech and thoughts that I would have had at that time because I was trying to deny that God existed by virtue of the scientific nature of creation. I came to understand that Jesus Christ was both God as well as man, that there is no inherent conflict in a world that is fundamentally scientifically created as well as one that is, or is scientifically unfolding anyway, and one that was also fundamentally God-created. I believe that the universe was definitely created and runs based upon the principles of quantum mechanics. We see evidence for that. We see evidence for evolution. You can watch evolution take place in the test tube. I believe all that does is speak to the complexity of God's creation. It is not for us to say that what God did was not evolution or what God did was fundamentally not scientific because those principles obviously underlie the execution of what we see taking place today, billions of years after it was done. The difference with what you see written in the Bible versus what you may see written in a scientific textbook, you're talking about a time and a place and a culture that could not understand the principles of quantum mechanics, let alone be able to write about them and think about them in some philosophical depth. The Bible was written to us as the word for us. It was not written to be the be-all and end-all, the instruction manual for how to create a universe. It was written as the instruction manual for us to how to live within the universe that God created based on the principles that he did. But all of those scientific principles are certainly just as valid as all of the spiritual principles that exist. Let's talk about the next couple pieces you've selected for us. They're from Ina Klein and Nacht Music by Mozart. What does Mozart stand for in the quotation you were talking about before? Here we have God's laughter. In my life, laughter is probably my most important value. It's probably my most important personality characteristic because it enables me to laugh at the universe, to laugh at everything within that universe and understand that there is much to make fun of and to experience fun with. You know, I've talked about some awful profound concepts here today, God's power, God's word, God's fire, you know, potentially God's anger towards us. And God certainly is not a downer. The creation that he created was not created to be destroyed. It was created to live out a purpose that we can only partially appreciate. 
I do believe seriously that God does have a very profound sense of humor, probably one that is more profound than any comedians that you may have heard or more profound than any humorist you may have read. It is a, a sense of humor that we can only appreciate in the large, not necessarily in the individual things that may go right or wrong within the world. In Mozart, you have God's sense of humor. You have God's laughter. You have his lightness of being, just as much as in the other composers, you have his heaviness of being. Mozart, I believe, called us to a bit of account on being light in how we do live in the world and recognizing that not all is serious and deliberation and difficulty, but in spite of the difficulty and deliberation that goes on in the world, there is much to be joyful over and much to be happy about. What Mozart is showing us through his music is the essence of what that part of God's character must really be like, eminently light, eminently joyful, eminently purposeless to a certain extent. I don't believe that every moment of every day necessarily is fulfilling a particular aspect of God's nature or God's purpose for us. There are some things that are purposeless or just perfectly light, and it is up to us to appreciate those and to be equally light in relation to those and in response to those. Does this view of music and of God fit with American Baptist theology, American Baptist? Or if we went to the First Baptist Church on Sunday, Chris, if we went there, would we be uh, blasted with hellfire? Or is that the kind of thing that we get? Or is Joanne not above putting a joke in the sermon? <laughs> I think you'll find that, you know, uh, the hellfire that we do try to bring to the service is kept in a little jar in the back. It's certainly, you know, well known that it's there. But, you know, Joanne is uh, certainly is one to bring a joke and some wry humor to our services as well. You'll experience different forms of music. I occasionally play organ as backup there, and I try to bring Bach fugues just as much as we have our traditional hymns there. We also have some contemporary music as well. Why we are there on Sunday is not necessarily to appreciate all of the different aspects of the lightness or the heaviness of our world, but to appreciate our relationship with God. And I think that's what you'll find at American Baptist Church is the ability to quiet our souls, to quiet ourselves, open ourselves up to hearing what God has to say for us, to recognize that we do have a place in God's world, and we will find out more about that on a given Sunday in an American Baptist church. Music is certainly part of that experience. So we'll listen here to two pieces from Mozart, Serenade Number 13 in G, Eine Kleine Nacht Music. We'll listen first to the Allegro and then to the Adante.
Well, Chris, we've come to the last song for your Song of the Soul. This one's by Chopin. And you say that Chopin illustrates for us God's love. How does this piece of music, the nocturne for piano in C-sharp minor, how does this evoke for you God's love? I believe in Chopin's music, you see the deeply profound nature of God's love for us, that he cries for us, he laughs for us, he truly loves us. And it speaks to the power of the emotion that we have in our interpersonal relationships as well, not just those that we have for our spouses or our significant others, but those that we have for our parents, for our children, for our fellow man. We love each other on many different levels, and that love develops over many years. It develops over many circumstances and many things that go right and go wrong in our lives. Yet we respond in love, and we respond in a loving way. And in Chopin's music, you find the complexities of the deep emotional colors of love. And I think a lot of that was a wellspring from Chopin's appreciation of God's love as well. In terms of emotional love for one another and in the romantic time period that he composed, but also in a way that reflected his virtuosity, again, speaking to the power that God had created in him to be able to communicate musically. I have the impression, Chris, that, that you had this deep love of classical music already when you were in high school. Were you a religious or a spiritual person at that time as well? I have this sense of something great being spoken in your soul, but not having any outward structure for where to channel it, how to put it into words. You had the music, but you didn't have the words. Did you need to get words, or was it just fine just to stay with the music? I think it was a matter of some words, because it was a matter of reading the word. It was a matter of attending Sunday school and learning from my fellow Sunday school students some aspects of what the word was telling us. I would use an analogy that in my teenage years, my faith was probably there. It was probably like a block of balsa wood with a pocket knife next to it. It was undeveloped, but it was there, and it was recognizable, perhaps as faith, I tried to act in a way in my Boy Scout career, certainly in a way that spoke to a certain spiritual nature. It certainly wasn't organized, though. I recognized spiritual faith in the musical creations that I heard, just like I would recognize how that block of balsa wood was carved into a ship, perhaps in a bottle, and say, yes, I can recognize the talent that created that. But it took a long time for me to be able to understand how to pick up that knife myself and how to be able to carve something that was my own spiritual nature and then to be able to act on that and act based on that, not just to create an object or an idol, certainly not, of what my faith was about, but in an ongoing creation, an ongoing carving that reflects the more that I learn about God, the more that I want to apply that, and the more that I want to tell others about it as well. Well, let's listen to Chopin as he evokes God's love for us through his nocturne for piano in C-sharp minor. Thank you. 
I'm glad, Chris, that you got some time off of work where you're not flitting around the country and where you can actually be with your family. I want to thank you for taking the time to be here. I just really appreciate you bringing more deep-feeling music into my life. And thank you very much. It was cathartic to a certain extent, but also very profound to be able to speak of my faith in this way. And I hope it's registered for some people, and I hope it's been meaningful today. Thank you again, Chris. You've been listening to an interview with Chris Powell of the First Baptist Church in Eau Claire. If you want to hear this program again, or listen to other programs I've produced in the past, you can go to my website, northernspiritradio.org. On it, you will find a list of the music included in my programs and other valuable links. Song of the Soul is produced by Mark Helpsmeet. If you'd like to share your Song of the Soul with the listeners of WHYS-FM Radio, please contact me via my email address, helpsmeet at usa.net. That's H-E-L-P-S-M-E-E-T at usa.net. And please join me Sundays at 11 a.m. for Song of the Soul. You can be happy, let in the light, it will heal you. And you can feel you and sing out.